Hey guys, this is Shay. And on this episode of What's Your Range, we got Bronson Kafusi here, a seven-year NFL veteran, multi-sport athlete, college, and now he's working with the next generation of athletes with mental health and vision, helping them excel on the field and in life. And, and let's get it. Hi, Bronson. Start out, tell me about your golf. How'd you get into golf? What's the history of Bronson golfing? <laughs> You know what? It's a short history, but okay. um, I I got into golf when I got into the NFL. So I was 24. Okay. Never played it before then. Okay. I was mainly, you know, doing football, basketball, baseball, yep. soccer growing up. But I realized really fast I was missing out because I just, it's a game I watched people play, yeah. but I didn't know how fun it was. Yeah. And so that's, that's what really, uh, that's really where I started. And then in the NFL, I mean, in the off season, it's golf time. So yeah, during OTAs, when you're there in the spring, it's they're shorter days. And so you're usually done around like two or three. Okay. And after you get off, everyone goes and plays golf. So I pretty much was thrusted into it, but I loved it because I got to know my teammates. Yep. And that's what that, that's why I started that's playing out. Yeah. That's what it's about. So see it, man. That's a, yeah. <laughs> See what we got, right? Oh, he's got it. Best team. He's got it. Uh, uh, so obviously before NFL, uh, tell me about how you started. I know that your dad played in dad played in the NFL? Yeah, dad played in the NFL. He played for the Eagles, drafted there. He was Reggie White's backup. Got it. So I mean, that's, that's, that's awesome. Yeah, it was really cool. Um <laughs> and then yeah, I just what was really nice is my dad never forced me to play. Okay. Uh, forced me to play football. Okay. So I actually didn't play football until eighth grade. So I was a basketball player, soccer. I was actually a soccer player at first. Well, at least you got that's the athletic from soccer for sure. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, I, I didn't play football until eighth grade. And that's really where, and then I almost didn't play it in high school. Okay. Because, and you guys were where? Were you back in Utah? Yeah, we're back in Utah. Okay. So my dad, he came back after, after he was done playing and coached at University of Utah for almost 10 years and then BYU, and then came to BYU. Okay. Coached there for almost 20 years. Yep. So, yeah, I ended up going to Tim Two High School. Cool. Just close by. And but I almost didn't play football my sophomore year because I was a freshman. My dad wouldn't let me play up. So I was tall and lanky. Yeah. I played quarterback on the okay. freshman team. Okay. And then the next year, I was like, I don't know if I'm going to play because I had played a lot more, you know, basketball on the varsity team. And so yep. I was like, I'm not going to play. And then my friends talked me into it. And then sure you enough. You played DN? Uh, yeah, I played DN. I quarterback and then DN. Yeah. Yeah, um, quarterback, DN, but you know what I was recruited as? Not a lot of people know this is I was actually recruited as a tight end. Okay. So even to BYU. Because you made a change in the pros to that for a yeah. period, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. And so I uh, I just, oh, jumped it. It was interesting. Yeah. Because I came home from a church mission in New Zealand, and a week before fall camp started, like not like six days, there's like 10 tight ends on the roster. Mm. And at the high school I went to, we didn't use a tight end. Yeah. So I just would play DN. I don't think we did high school either. Yeah. We were a lot of slot. We were slot. Yeah. Slot in. Just had your wide receivers out there. And my father, he played. He was a tight end, and then they changed. In high school, they changed. And uh, so there wasn't a tight end. I don't think there is in our high school anymore. Yeah. It's kind of a yep. either you're a blocking tight end now yep. or you're a yep. pass catching that's tight exactly. end. So, yeah. That's kind of how it all how it came to be. So basketball, so you were multiple sport though. So you played football and then you played 
You play a season of basketball as well? Yeah, I played a season of basketball at BYU. And How many people that play multiple sports like that anymore? You know what? Yeah, it's it's kind of a dying breed for sure. Yeah. Um, but I looked at it as an opportunity. Sure. I was like, who else gets to go do that? Like, sure. I was like, I'm in. I just, I was like, man, I hopefully, hopefully my coach lets me play because <laughs> I was a little nervous. Yeah. I, I went to my dad because he was my position coach in yep. college. And he was like, I love it because his favorite sport is basketball. So he's like, do it. So. Just play. Yeah. You know, it's special, though, that able to to have that. And you played center? Or you play yeah, like center, four, power forward. Like, I always guard the center just to yep. kind of be physical, you know? So, good job. Yeah. So, you played. So, you went and played. You got drafted third round. Is that right? Yep. So, round. yeah, graduated from BYU. Uh, my wife was playing soccer there. Okay. I graduated in statistics, analytics. Um, big nerd. Love that. Numbers guy, honestly, like that's what I love. I love looking at data and stuff, and you know, forecasting all that stuff. Um, and really, I just, I don't really know, honestly, how the NFL worked. You know, my dad played and coached, yeah. and I didn't know any of that. And so, I ended up getting drafted um, in the third round to the Ravens. Okay, and it's a big deal. Third round's big deal. No, yeah, it was. That's it was big. Yeah, it was it's a big deal. deal. Yeah, I was just. I was very nervous on yeah. that day, though. I was like, I have no idea what's going to happen. Like, what if they, you know, what if the teams are just like, no, you don't want this. See, I don't want this guy. Like, because I didn't really go on like a lot of pre-draft visits or anything. Did you know you're going to get picked in that rank? Uh, I kind of had. A, yeah, my agent was telling me that, but you really never know. Sure, because they they could find something. Or well, football has so many positions. I always say, I always, you know, one of the dreams, little private goals that I have, I think my wife's about the only one that knows, I guess now everyone will, but uh, is to be a GM one day. Like, cause I love analytics. Like I love sports. Oh, you do? That's sweet. But I love like what I found myself, even playing 2K, I played a lot of 2K and Madden. Oh yeah. Is I found myself not even playing the game uh-huh. and we would just play seasons and we'd trade and we'd build teams and me and my buddies, we'd only play the championship game. So most of what we were doing is like building the team to perform we never yeah. actually played the game and so that's when i realized like oh, i'm going to be a gm i'm a gm yeah, you're like, right. i'm like i, I want to be a gm <laughs> and uh but i always tell people that a gm in football has got to be one of the toughest positions yeah because you've got you know what 53 active roster plus you got a practice squad plus you got people coming in and out of that practice squad plus oh, you yeah. can look at what you can go get other people from other practice squads without much problems right yeah how do they do that? What's the salary cap and how every decision, because nothing's guaranteed, and Nothing. obviously went through that. Nothing. Yeah, uh-huh. And I'm like, dude, these guys need to get highlighted a little bit more because, like, I always say NFL's got to be, or NBA, there's a salary cap that tells you exactly, very easy salary cap to work. Mm-hmm. And there's only, what, 13 players. Yeah. And so I'm like, a GM for football would be tough. That'd be very, very tough. And now with the NIL space with college, these these, you know, I know that Whittingham and uh, can't even think of his name. Kalani. Kalani. They're having to be GMs now. Yeah. And they're not They're not just coaches. They're having to different game. figure it out. And because um, parents even, it changes it for parents. Oh, yeah. Like when coaches go to recruit, the parents are like, how much are you going to pay us? Yeah. It's like, Again, we're getting this we get? from this school. How are we getting this much from this school? Like, what are you going to do? <laughs> and in obviously, I think in talking to some people, there'll probably be some regulations here coming mm-hmm. soon of, of what, but it's. It's there. But you get into the NFL and you get that contract knowing that, you know, third-round contract is still better than most, yeah. right? Because I know, obviously, you get into six, seven, it's a little bit different. 
Yeah. But playing with obviously all your time and attention, but knowing that, you know, nothing's guaranteed. Yeah. How did that feel? Like, obviously this is, maybe it was just fun for you the first couple of years. I don't yeah. know if you were married or anything. Like yeah, that. I'm married going into it. So what was that feeling going in? Other than maybe excitement, but. I mean, you're excited, but you just don't know the business side of the league. You don't even know. You have no idea. And you're, you're trying to do your best and, and everything. And then, but you learn real fast that there's a bigger plan coming from the front office. And if you're not in that plan, it's harder to scrape yourself into that plan. Yep. And it's all performance based. So yep. if you're not playing, there's a hundred other guys on the street that are ready to come in. Yep. And like, you know, that's what we'd always say when we were there is just, as soon as you walk through the doors, I mean, they're already trying to get you out. Yeah. And so, um, you hear that, you hear those types of things and, but really as an athlete, you're just trying to work on your craft, work on that day, work on, you're just literally so hyper-focused every day because the pressure, it breaks a lot of people, Yep. which is actually pretty crazy to see like these elite athletes get broken down by the pressure yep. of that. And so, you know, for me, I was fortunate because, you know, I was a little, I was, I was married and, you know, I was in some stable. Yeah, just a little, little more stability for me. Yep. Um, but I had really good mentors when I showed up to the to the Raven because I, I I walked in and I was able immediately to get you know mentored by Eric Weddle. Yeah. He came in the same year. Yeah. So I was I was fortunate um, to be around be around him. Some good guys. Yeah. Teach me like his way. Do everything he did and learn from him. Your, your dad, wasn't your dad your coach for a little bit yeah. growing up, like most of it? Um, in well, college, college, nothing no, else. So just, nothing, just college. That's college. You yeah. like show up in college, your dad's coach. And yeah. uh, that's there. So what was that transition, having your dad as a coach in college? Obviously, another level is college, mm-hmm. but then to transition out of that into other people coaching. Yeah, I, for me, for me, I, I really loved having my dad sure. uh, coach me. And a lot of people, I feel like, would say that because uh, yeah. your dad's going to be harder. Sure. He's going to make you earn it more. He's sure. going to make sure there's no favoritism. But I thrive on that, honestly, sure. because I knew every day, like, I had to prove it to my teammates that I earned it, not my dad. Yep. Like, my dad, like, favored me. Like, this is mean. Yep. And I, and I just loved that. And so I liked when he was, you know, harder on me. And, and yeah. you know, I mean, he, because I'm his son, he could, he could coach me a little different, right? And so, which I loved. I loved. Well, yeah. I think obviously with his background too and playing at a high level, obviously NFL is a little bit different than it is probably when you were in it. But to be able to have that vision, I think that's why, you know, I think a lot of people think, oh, the coach, you know, he played, he played, his father played, and that's why he's playing. And that's I, why. I think the biggest thing that I've seen, I come from a town of 3,000 people. Mm-hmm. And I think the biggest thing that was tough for me is like vision. And you don't have a lot of vision in your life when you come from a small town. And so I think one of the reasons why I think a lot of these doesn't mean they all succeed in the pros like their parent did or their 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 brother did. But I think you see that vision of like, yeah. I can do it. Like yeah. my dad did it. It's actually possible. It's it possible. And I think that's, that's something of why there's a consistency of these players. Like you're seeing now in basketball, like Kenny Martin's son's playing, Ron Artest is playing. Yeah. And we don't know if they'll be as good as their dad or not. Yeah. But they have this vision of like, no, I can do it. Like, dad, I can do it. It's like Tony Finau's son. The feet, yeah. You watched him play? Yeah. Unbelievable. He's great. And it is, it, Drace is like, he's just killing it. No, kill it. I think he just played in a tournament. Yeah, I, was, I saw I was like, 
wow, this guy, I need to go, I need to get some lessons from this guy. Exactly. Help me out. So, oh, there it is. There it is. You need to come over here and show me. There it is. All right, there we go. Yeah. So, you get in the NFL, what's first season like? You get through first season, you you had an injury, right? Yep. Um, Yeah, I was in training camp. I was actually playing really well. I was able to rotate, you know, the ones and twos, and I actually, yeah, I was standing up a guy on a, like a play action. Okay. And Darren Waller was the tight end right here. Oh my goodness. And then I had uh, a linebacker was right here and the linebacker came up to hit Darren Waller, Darren, and he like put a move on him and that dude went airborne right into my ankle. Oh my gosh. And everything just, everything. I heard all the pops and I heard snapping, break. It was, and I couldn't feel my foot and it was just hanging there. And yeah, I, I dislocated all the tendons in my ankle and then, Spiral fractured my my leg, so oh my gosh, yeah, it was a pretty tough injury, and and I knew it was gonna be tough when I showed up. They flew me down to the specialist who had just like worked on McGregor and some other, you know, high profile athletes and people, and he looked at my my scans and he's like, "Wow, this is the worst one I've ever seen." No, I was like, no, "What do you want to get?" I know, I know. <laughs> I was like, "Oh my gosh!" So um, they kind of told me the outlook and. I was like, okay. He's like, I don't know if you're gonna come back from this. And sure, I was like, man, this just reminded me of how, you know, sports and life and everything. It's just you just don't have control of a lot, you know. And that's why, you know, for me personally, I was able to really just hold on to the fact, like, okay, I'm gonna focus on what I can do, what I can control, what yep. you know, what matters in that, and from moment to moment. And that's why I was able to come back. And I was back at. OTAs, day one, running and doing everything. And yeah, it, there are some things I had to switch up. Sure. Because I couldn't, yeah, I couldn't bend the edge the way I used to and certain cuts and things. But I mean, you become really grateful for the little things and the little opportunities that, that you see. You just, you just look at the tough times differently. You yep. just embrace them and we love them. And well, that's something you're doing right now with athletes too, right? Is the mental game. Yeah. I think you do as a young athlete society. Yeah. That's something exactly. they focus on. Yeah. And I, I read, I was looking into some of it and some of it is the mental game. Yeah. Right. Of figuring out how to, how to be mentally strong. And I'm sure a lot of that comes from an injury like that and how yeah. to recover at the biggest stage yeah. as a year in. Yeah. It was literally my first year during training camp. Oh, so it was the first year. Literally the first oh year. my God. The first year. And, and there's a rule in the NFL where rookies don't get hurt. Yeah. And I just broke that rule. And I was like, okay, this is going to be a challenge. Yep. And I'm just going to make the most of it. So you played for the Ravens for how many years? I was there three years in my third year. That's when I got released and I got picked up by the Jets. Okay. I went and played at the Jets. And then during COVID year there, yep. all the tight ends got hurt. Mm-hmm. And that's when I they asked me to go Switch. to your tight end. I did both during practice, and then yeah. every day the head coach and GM would come like, "Hey, we might need to move you. You're looking pretty good." <laughs> so the next year, yeah, I ended up playing tight end and learning was offense. Was there a lot of support making that transition? Like, obviously, you knew it somewhat on a college level, but to spend three years focusing on one in a bigger game, everyone's faster, and then be like, "All right, we got to get you on tight end." Yeah, it, it was. Was there support for you, or is it a? Yes, there was. But at the same time, it's it's like, okay, I just have to show them every day why I, you know, why I belong out here and as a tight end. Yep. And so what was nice for me is it 
reinvigorated the you know the energy to study the game from a different point of view because yep. i've been studying it as a defensive player and sure. so i kn- i know defense and as a defensive player you're trying to learn offense yep. but now that i was an offensive player seeing offensive meetings and learning the game from the offensive side yeah it was actually smoother than what i thought because i already knew defense yep so i already knew, knew stuff i knew exactly what they were doing what yep. they're thinking what they're thinking yep like i know the the, the schemes and the th- the disguises and so it was it was nice and and also after playing DN, where I had played on the edge and inside, yep. as a tight end, it's like, oh, I don't have to go up against two 330-pound guys? Yep. Okay. That's nice. Yeah, that's nice. Nice. So, yeah, they're throwing me the ball. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'll just alcast the ball. Let me, yeah. you know, <laughs> try, try to see them tackle me. So, right, it was it was fun. I, you know, I, I really fell in love with it, though, when I was at Green Bay, being able to be there with A-Rod and Devontae. And- so, you're there. so, you went from the Jets to then Green Bay. Yep. Okay. To Green Bay. And that, okay. And I love being with those guys. And Devontae Adams, great. Yeah. I've heard he's great. Oh, yeah. And you know what's awesome about those guys and watching them is I wish they showed practice film of the guys. And because you would learn to appreciate more, even more, what they do on game day. Yep. Because the practices, you get to see this intense focus and yeah. things that they're doing it's it, it it's awesome it's interesting he said so one of my he's been kind of a mentor a guy named Bo Eason played in the NFL was a cornerback his his brother I think Tony Eason played quarterback uh-huh. really amazing story and now he's he worked he was on Broadway and now he does like speaking coach so he does like body coaching keynote speaking coaching but he played he was drafted first cornerback drafted in his draft when he went and he ended up at the 49ers to, and then he tore his ACL and ended. But he got to sit and watch Jerry Rice. How cool he is that? Jerry Rice. He said, I start practice. You know, you're watching these players play. They go through their their you know, their post. They catch it. They jog a little bit, turn back around. He said, Jerry Rice, every play was like he was on the field. Yeah. He went, did the route, caught the ball, went straight for the end zone every time. He literally cut, ran to the end zone every single time. And then would come back and do it. And then and then what you saw is these younger wideouts started to copy that. Yeah. Because they're like, oh, Jerry's do it. I gotta do it. But yeah. it was full speed all the time. Yeah. And that's and that was in practice. Yeah. That set a tone for the team and it set a tone in, in Bosa. That was like one of the one of the biggest things we took from that obviously helped him in his professional life was just how good the greats are. Yeah. And how we don't see that. No, you don't get this. And usually we see it after when you have a documentary like Jordan or Kobe. Yeah. And obviously LeBron and I was working on it. We'll see more of the, because like I appreciate, I mean, I always loved Jordan. Yeah. But when I saw the, what was it, Last Dance? I'm like, oh man, this is unbelievable of what he's kind of put in. Kobe was the same way. Yeah. To be able to see that. And um, I was just on a plane with a guy, he's a top trial attorney. And there's not many many people that are Fresno State fans. That's why I served my mission, Fresno. Yeah, there we go. So I get on there and I see these pillows of oh, Fresno State, yeah. right? And uh, so we were just talking about Devontae because him and Derek Carr and then Paul George all played around the same yeah, time at Fresno time. State, which is crazy for a little town like Fresno yeah. State that they can be able to get there. But uh, So you get through league, you're, you're at Green Bay, and then was that the end of your career? So you did yeah. how many years? How many years? So six and then in my seventh year... I trained, I took calls. I thought I was gonna go sign to a couple teams. Yep. And then nothing ended up happening. So then I was staying prepared, staying ready. 
Um, I could have went and played in the spring leagues. Okay. Um, ended up not, you know, and ended up deciding not to do that. Um, but, but then I just decided to be, yeah, just be done. So did you know, I mean, obviously you want to stay focused on football in your end. Was there ever a secondary? Did you know what you're going to do after? You know what? I was in my second year. It was just, I think about my off seasons and how they were yep. all football, you know, everything was, a. I was doing that all the time. And even then I still had hours in the day. Yep. And I'm one of those guys that love maximizing time and everything. Analytics, right? Yeah, analytics. analytics. Exactly. Yep. So I got into, um, I decided, you know, I'm going to start getting into other things outside of football mm -hmm. because my, I watched some of my teammates running businesses and blew my mind yes. while they were playing. Yeah. And I was like, how are you doing this? I'm like, oh, they create these businesses and they have a, a team manage it and run it. And, you know, and I was like, why can't I do that? And so then I just, I decided, you know what? I'm going to start going to lunch with people, cool. meeting people. Yeah. And so that's what kind of started my journey into the business world and started learning about investing and getting into that space. Because so I just realized, you know, a lot of my teammates, um, I felt like, man, we could all use more education sure. on the investment side. Sure. And especially in assets that not a lot of us, not a lot of us in the locker room own or know about. Yep. Um, and so, yeah, I ended up investing in real estate and learning that. Yep. And then bringing it to yeah. people. Yeah. And just because I was like, okay, I got to go learn it first. Yeah. And so, and see how this works. So that's kind of, I started in the real estate space. Cool. And then um, jumped into the blockchain space. Okay. Uh, I love that space. And then, yeah, I'm in a few other like early startups. Early startups. Yeah, yeah. See around. So you kind of knew maybe okay, this is something you're doing in the off season already. It's it's your second job in a sense. Yeah. So you always knew that there was something else that you could obviously do. And yeah, I felt. I mean, I just there's just so much about football that I didn't control. Yep. And I knew wow, in business, there's a lot I can control. Like, sure. <laughs> you know, and you're playing. You can play an infinite game. Simon Zenick just wrote a book about that. Yeah. It's like. Yes. And athletes can't. That is different. The mindset's different every day. It has to be. It has to be done now. Like, now, 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 now. And that is, and I, I, that's why I have a lot of empathy for athletes because they're like, oh, they're just business and making all this money. But I'm like, no, they're playing a different, they have to play a different game. They have, you know, football is completely different. With less it's, resources usually. You have less, you have less guaranteed contracts. You've got so many positions. There's so many people going. Obviously, the ability to get injured is super high. Yeah. And you don't know what next year's like the next year. I was just at dinner with Austin Eckler in, in um, where were we at? Minneapolis or Indiana. That's where we were. And I was talking to him. He just had a career year last year. Yeah. And as a running back in the league, thankfully, he can catch balls too. Yeah. What's your, you know, five years, six years? And that's most, if you're elite, I think it's left. It's probably, that's if you're elite, right? I think three. Three, three, four. Pretty. You've seen some of these guys that were amazing and running backs, I feel like in the league, even more and more and more are just less needed. Yeah. But then you're like wondering how the guy went in the fourth round and he just ran for 1,500 yards. And you're like, how did they not draft him earlier? And it's because of the turnover that they're like, oh, we'll just find somebody else. Yeah, someone that's cheaper for... So Austin, I, I was really impressed by him because he's got his own app that he's putting together. And and I was so surprised with how much of a visionary he was for things not in sports. See, I love he being those athletes. Yeah, I was different. I, athlete. I went to him and I was like, you're different than people I've met. For somebody that is not just 
you know, a B-level guy or somebody, but like a guy that just had a career year, all pro, all whatever that is. And he's like, no, I got to think about my future. Like I love football, but football is my, my job. Yeah. And it's going to be the, you know, it's got to propel me into the rest of my career. Yeah. And if I don't do that, then I'm just going to be like, you know, signing autographs the rest of my life at little trade shows, yeah. trying to make a living yeah. instead of oh, use the yeah. time. You know, Gary V was talking to, this was before the NIL, Gary Vaynerchuk. Yeah. Well, I was talking to Alabama a couple years ago, and I think Nick Saban wasn't very happy about it because he went on stage and he's like, this is the greatest time in your life. You get to put on an Alabama helmet and people will naturally respect you. And if you are not using that time to build a brand and to build businesses and do that, yep. then you're wasting this. Exactly. And, and I can probably see Nick Saban in the background being like, get off the stage. Like, <laughs> don't let these kids think that. Yeah. And then funny, you know, two years later, or a year later, NIL comes up. And then that is the conversation of how do you yeah. utilize a BYU or how do you utilize a Utah? Because obviously you, you got to make it. And there's the few that get to even get the opportunity to put on an NFL helmet. Um, or suit up in a basketball game. For all those that didn't, they wasted a lot of time where they had attention. They had the ability to connect with business owners and and those people. Yeah. And obviously, even in the NFL, you did that. You're like, all right, I got to go take people out to lunch, and I got to figure this out because yeah. the world is moving fast. Yeah. And so, yeah. I think that's one. Th and then the best thing about it, and I'm always trying to help athletes understand this, both professional and college, even high school athletes. Yep. I'm trying to help them see that, you know, you you can truly take everything that you've learned from sports yep. and push it into off-the-field opportunities, yep. business, relationship building, networking, um, scaling anything, sales, a lot of athletes going to sales. And it's like, well, don't think when you're done playing that you don't have the tools that you need to be great. Yeah. No, you do. Yep. You actually really do. Yeah, and all it's a different mindset. Yep. Yeah. It's the, the, the intangibles yep. are what propels an athlete into the business world. Yep. No, I hope you understand that, you know, we'll switch, we'll switch it. Okay. Go again. Yeah. Um, no, I, uh, so I served my mission. I don't know if you know rugby much. You were in New Zealand, so you yeah. know rugby much. Oh yeah. My mission president was Larry Gellix. Oh, no way. Getaway guru, but the forever yeah. song coach, coach Gellix. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, I get I don't like, that movie. Were you? I don't know. Oh, I got they got to be in that movie. And I was like, <laughs> a during football season, though. I can't do that. That's tough. Yeah. That's awesome. So <laughs> he, you know, I knew the movie. You know, when I got the mission call, I knew the movie. My dad called me and was like, hey, you know who your mission president is? And I'm like, no, I have no idea. I'll get in. Oh, come on. <laughs> um, he's like, he's the coach, the coach of the movie Forever Strong. And I'm like, oh, man, like, I love that movie when it came out. And the way he ran his his rugby team you know what over 36 years 420 something wins and 10 losses on the varsity level like that's unbelievable that is crazy and as you got i got i didn't get to know him as a coach but i got to know him as my mission president when he ran it just like a listen yeah. a, a team yeah he was i remember the church and this is funny live at the lds church is the church he started doing zone conference every month and the church is like hey you can't do that you're only supposed to have zone conference once every quarter. What? And he's like, but as a mission president, I can like call any meeting I want, right? And they're like, yeah. And he's like, okay, so we'll call it specialized training. <laughs> there we go. And so, but what I learned from him is he, his biggest skill was being with the people. And so his wasn't an administrator on top making these decisions. He's like, if I'm with Elder Swenson or I'm with 
Elder, Elder Smith, then we're, I'm going to make an impact. And so that's how, oh, we were, it was the best two years of my life of like truly being around a leader like that. Yeah. And then got to come home and I ended up being his speaking agent. And so I still help him with that. So I've helped him get to the MLB. We've helped him get the Houston Astros. We've helped him go all over and, and speak. Awesome. But one of the things, as you were saying, like helping these athletes with the intangibles, he's like, hey, when he was running his rugby team, it was, it was, I'm building players, you know, forever strong on the field. So they can be forever strong off the field. Yeah. Like, Oh. Everything we're doing is I love is, coaches like that. And he was amazing. And he oh. and he and he still just um he just gets it. He gets players. He got us in the mission. And and he's been one of the greatest mentors in my life. But it's because I've watched him just love people, but then push them. Yeah. Like it is pushing them Stretch, to let's stretching go. them. <laughs> like a little story, like even in our mission, we felt like he was omnipresent everywhere. Because there were stories throughout the mission that he just show up. Oh, I love that. And what he would do, like in our mission, like we were, everything had to be clean in our house. Like they called it, man, I can't remember what he called it, but it was spotless. And so there were stories that I don't know if he actually did, but there were just conspiracies and, and these things, but he would walk into to elders' apartments, turn around and put his finger on the top of the door to <laughs> see if it's dirty. Yeah. And, but when he created this feeling that even though we're, you know, a big mission of 300 people that he was always there. Yeah. And not as like a fear, not fear, but just like, oh, we have an expectation of excellence. Yeah. And and that's what we do here. And that gave me a glimpse. Obviously, he was retired. A glimpse of who he was as Coach Gelwick's. Um, oh, he's a legend. Yeah. And getting him to speak. And we've been, we did winter meetings with all the owners and GMs. And he spoke at that in Vegas one year. Huh. And they were blown away. And I'm like, well, that's, if you only lose 10 varsity games in 36 years, you're probably pretty good at what you do. Yeah. But it was helping boys, like, become men. And, and, and I think, obviously, that's super noble what you're doing with Young Athlete Society and helping these kids. It is a, for a big need. And, and be able to do that. And so. Yeah. Um, yeah, I love it. I, I, uh, I just realized when I was done playing that young athletes, they're in a way different world because of technology and social media and everything. And, like and yeah. And even and that's only what a decade. Yeah. And coaches <laughs> yeah. can't coach the same. Yeah. They cannot, if you're coaching the old way, it's not going to work. Yeah. And so, uh, I just realized, well, you know what? The mindset training changed my whole life. Yep. Um, because sports is the vehicle that we use and mindset training helps the athletes become, you know, better performers. Yep. But, Everything you learn transitions to, you know, your relationships with your family, uh, things that you're chasing, like school and business. And yep. I just, I was like, man, these young athletes aren't getting any of that. Yep. Because the elite guys are untouchable. Yep. But I was like, I've done this for over 10 years yeah. with multiple coaches. I love it. I'm going to provide this for young athletes because they need it more than ever. Yes. Like, and parents are, a lot, one thing I found is parents can't parents need to be parents sure for their kid mom and business mom, dad it can be dad. business advisors and yeah and like tough. they can't you know it, it's i watch parents ruin sports for their kids and yeah. it's like we we gotta stop that and so it's cool because the parents are in it as well yep so i do like parent calls with them and bring on parents that have done it like i had my parents on i interviewed them and live with let everyone listen and learn and um just because yeah athletes it's a different game and they need you know, some more support in that sense. Well, it's a lot like business too. I think when you get athletes 
when you go play in college and the pros, like they are the nucleus of a business. It's just their business. And, yeah. and it's not just them knowing how to navigate that, but the people that are supposed to be supporting, yeah. how do you navigate to help them yeah. be a support system, what to do, obviously knowing personalities and knowing who needs what and what, you know, and, and obviously running businesses myself, like, and especially where it's a, it's a, you know, let's say it's a sales organization that's sales centric. Well, how do we put people around that person to yeah. make sure that they can do the thing that makes them great yeah. because then everyone wins. Everyone yeah. wins when when they perform at that high level. And I think there's a lot of examples in business. And I think now more than ever with these college athletes actually getting paid, it's what can we do? Yeah. And 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 I was sitting down with one of the wideouts at BYU, just we were golfing two or three weeks ago and we were chatting and and he just, what do I do with this? And what do I do with this? And what do I do with because this? There's, I don't know. And I'm like, well, yeah. first off, what is going to actually help you if you want to go play the next level? What is going to help you get to the next level? Because everything else really doesn't matter. Yeah. And either you got to find somebody else to worry about that or or it's okay to, you know, even in investments in these young kids. I get when you're in the pros and you got a family, you're like, okay, I got to make money and I got to make my money make money. <laughs> yeah, that blood, sweat, and tears. Right? Like, a little but, different. <laughs> but in some of the college kids, I, I think helping people back home, I think that's true too. I'm sure there's a lot of pressure, but there also is. I was talking to Jesse Itzler, incredible, and he, or he, he commented on somebody's post and he's like, some of these athletes, especially college, it's like, just be, don't be quick to just throw your money into something. Yeah. And if anything, throw that money into something that is going to make you better, right? It's going to either either educate you more, whether from the business standpoint or be a better athlete. Yeah. And that's your biggest ROI. Yeah. And because he was like, hey, I got this money. What do I do with it? And I said, well, yeah, you can put it in the market. We can find some real, whatever we want to do. But if you want to ROI on this money, you need to maybe take some of that money and then go get another chunk of money. Yeah. You get another brand deal. Yeah. And you can get another brand deal. Yeah. That's your biggest ROI. You can double your money, triple your money yeah. within a week. And and I think it's that little bit of, it's just coaching. It's helping yeah. them see that. Um, there's a way that it can happen. There's a way. And and even whether it's real estate, whether it's blockchain, whether and it, it, it does have to be something you're passionate about. Yeah, and you have to understand it. Like the education piece, I have the biggest advocate for yeah. If someone's not willing to teach you about the investment, don't invest, don't run. Like, do it. Yeah, they need to be willing to teach you. It's yep. I mean, a lot, a lot of athletes are coming from backgrounds where, I mean, that's similar to me. I didn't even know what investing was. I didn't even know that was a thing. Like, yep. you're telling me I can take this dollar and turn it into $2? Like, I can't yeah, do exactly. nothing for it? Yeah. No, it's going to cost something. Yep. And so being able to, the education piece for me, I learned early on was vital, yeah. which allowed me to pretty much decipher who I wanted to invest with and partner with and do yep. those type of things. Well, and I think everyone's got their niche too. I, I being in wealth management, we we our firms from our financial, we help fifty five and older with retirement. Yeah. What I found though over the years is if you get somebody that comes in with real estate, you're never going to convince them to do something else, <laughs> right? Because that's who they are, and that's yeah. the way they process deals and investments. And and I at, early in my career, I was like trying to be like, oh well, you can do this and look at this difference. That being said, people in that are in stocks. I never found them that they're going to go to real estate. Yeah, and it's because they got comfortable with whatever that was. They may have been would have been a great real estate investor. They just didn't know, yeah. and so they got comfortable. And I think that's why it is important at this young age that they learn maybe a little bit of everything. Yeah, they figure out where their passion is. Yeah, diversify. It's diversifying, and it's Smaller diversifying cash. to be able to say, okay, what do I like? 
and then maybe go all in in one of these areas or in yeah. a sense a majority into these one of these areas because like okay i know this i'm good at this because some of my people like people i know in real estate they just have it like yeah. there is things that they have to pick up in skills yeah but their ability to see deals yeah there's a gift to that there is and there I say is stock gift. trading there's a gift there's a to it that you can learn yeah but i think that you can see things that other people can't see and and that's opportunity right so yeah. i think that's that's a huge part of of what we see but i think it's amazing with the athletes and they have to have it from people like you that have at least walk the walk yeah. and it goes back to the vision of your dad like i have been there like you can get there but this is what it's going to take yeah. And you said something on Jason, I can't remember his last Jason name. Harris? Yeah, or his yeah. one of the podcasts that said like in coaching to come into your space. Like the best coaches know how to come into your space. Oh yeah, yeah. Coaching Hagen. Hagen, yeah. right? And and I like that. I think in in leadership and all these things of knowing how not just a top down leadership, hey, you gotta you gotta be able to do X, Y, Z, you're not gonna succeed, but somebody to get into your space and know how you want to be led. Yeah. And what fires you up. Yeah. How, you, how has that helped you in your life of the coaches that could do that? Or maybe how you've been able to do it with for others? I, you know, it's been life-changing, honestly, yeah. because there's so many different types of coaches. Yeah. And you'll see the coaches that when they come into your space and they come in there and it's immediate, you're like shutting the door because you can see them from afar. You're like, I don't want to. Yeah. So that relationship just dies yeah. quick. Yep. And I've seen players where they don't perform as well. And it's just because of their relationship with the coach. Yep. And it's like, man, if that coach would just come in and learn how unique each player is and know how to coach them, yep. how to have kind of those tough conversations with them. Cause every player is different. Like yep. it's, it's crazy how players will make compound jumps in their career just because a coach knows yep. how to coach that player. Yep. And so I, I've seen, I've, I've, I've done that before where I've had one coach and I was like, kind of just going, I that another coach and it's like leaps and bounds yep. the difference. So, yep. which shows you like, I always get worried about these, even these quarterbacks that are getting drafted is like, man, a lot of where they're about to go. Not even like first round, second round. And I'm sure it's all players, but I think about these quarterbacks because it's, there's one player and it's, you have one shot to get on this team. Quarterbacks and like, and as you know, I, obviously the draft a couple of years ago, we had three or four or five, you know, top quarterbacks that, and a lot of it's just based on where they're going to go. Yeah. Because they, it, it, and I always think about what if they would have went here, how different their life and the way people viewed them. We put yeah. people in boxes like, ah, oh, they're not very good. Yeah. It's like, well, culture, maybe culture matters. Yeah. And maybe there's a reason why Tom Brady won as much as he did. And, and maybe there's a reason why there's teams that are consistently successful. Yeah, which is it? Only like a handful, honestly. If you look at the, if you look there's at the league, not, there's not that many. Not that across many across all sports. Yeah, that there's. I mean, Miami Heat obviously lost just barely in the championship, but like they've been able to pick these guys up and put them into a culture. You know, these are another, like four or five. Of these guys were drafted. Yeah, and the, okay, there's something there. I don't know how to quantify how they did it, yeah. what they did, but yeah. that's there's no coincidence that that happens. And I think so much of it is I mean, obviously coaches get fired and there's things on it, but somebody's like, oh, it's Bronson's is not working out, you know, but it's like, okay, well, maybe, maybe it's the way this culture is built or maybe it's the way that culture I'm so coached, which is it's culture in and of itself. Yep. Like each yep. coach yep. has a coaching culture 
and each player does too and it's you're that but that's what i love about like sports and especially football yep. where all of these things mash together and then someone wins a super bowl yeah like th- that's that's special yeah whatever team wins it yep you know you took all these different cultures coaching players you know administration and made it work yep and i think that's what makes sports so special is well, can we do that? Kansas City this year, right? Obviously, they got Patrick Mahomes yeah. and Travis Kelsey, but they were yeah. I, they were they had this what the most rookie starting for a team here. It's like, hey, like yeah. that is a sign of what Andy Reid's doing there, and what yeah. what obviously Patrick Mahomes doing there, and what what this what this culture that they've created, yeah, of winning and and discipline can do. Um, all right, last couple questions we get. What's What's next? Obviously, you you're doing Young Athlete Society. Yeah, I love that. What else is in? That. What else is going on in your life? And um, and that's a good question. I I really with Young Athlete Society, I just want to help as many athletes, okay, uh, and parents, coaches, sure, which is awesome. Um, I love what I'm doing in the real estate space. I love you know what I'm doing in the blockchain investment space. Um, I've put up a management team for Dirty Dose. Cool. I love the mental health play. Cool. That they that they offer, that and I'm gonna say I just I just think the more people I can educate, that's really what's next. Like I'm gonna educate as many athletes, parents, whether it's in, investing or you know building that mental strength. As cause yep. I, if I would have had that stuff when I was younger, cool, Changing. it would have been way different. Yep. Um, fortunately, I got it in college, but I would have loved to have that when I was younger. No, I think there's a huge, and I think obviously there's talking points, people talking about mental health and those things. Simon Sinek was listening to one of his podcasts the other day and he calls it, he's like, we, we use mental health a lot. He's like, it's mental fitness, right? So it's not, it's not a medication. All those, those things help. It's not, it's not just one thing. It is fitness. Like you have to train your mind and you have to know and become aware of your mind. I think that's just like your body does. I think I, I, I think I've, as my business career and as, as I've, I, you know, a couple of years ago, a year and a half ago, I'm like, I need more time. Like, yeah. how do I have more time? I got to find a way to get more time. And it probably wasn't the right question, but a lot of it is knowing how to compartmentalize things and knowing how to yeah. have in the, now the word I use more is mental fitness. Yeah. What am I doing on a daily basis from sleep? I wear the Aurora ring now. Yeah. And like, I track my sleep and my wife like hates me for it. <laughs> it's just like, I'm sick of talking about how you got four hours of sleep last night. But I think for me, a little bit of ADHD is like, that's been so nice for me to focus on that. Cause I would have never, if I wouldn't have had statistics and actually said, yeah. okay, how much am I sleeping? Yeah. What is that? It's trackable. And you're an athlete. And it helps me understand now what, okay. If I'm at four hours of sleep, Jeff Bezos was talking about this the other day, and and you're working as you know in executive positions as now I've have you know 15 people that work under me and then independent contractors and all these things is like actually as you get bigger you're required to make less decisions, but they're important decisions. Yeah, I love that, and I love that he said that he said like an executive's job is to make a lot of high levels or sorry a short a small amount of high level decisions. Mm-hmm. and that takes so he talked about his like he sleeps eight hours a day he wakes up at six and from 10 he just roams around doesn't do much and from t- at 10 o'clock he said that's when i make my the most important decision i make sure to schedule it there because i know i got about four hours to make high level decisions 
and that's it. That's my job now at this point. He's like, yeah. it's a startup. It's different. Yeah, I'm making thousands of decisions, yeah. and you're hoping that this one will work or this one will work. Like, my staff probably hates me because I have a new idea every day, and I have a board, and it's, like, filled with stuff, and then it gives me anxiety because I have all these things of these ideas. But as we get more successful, I guess the word is, but as we progress, it is really, like, how do we make sure we're mentally there and physically there to be able to to make those high level decisions. Yeah. And I think that's huge. Everything. That's huge. Everything. Um and that's that's amazing that you're able to to kind of help those kids be able to to get there and, and, and obviously have it from somebody, not just some guy that hasn't done it, but guy that's been there and actually can tell stories about what that looks like. Yeah. Here, right? Yeah. All right, we're gonna have a little competition. Five balls, closest to the hole, thousand bucks to my charity or thousand bucks to your charity, hole in one, ten grand. So if this is the time for a hole in one, this is the time. This is the time. This is the time. All right, man. You're up. You're up. All right. Can't get like. <laughs> oh, guys. <laughs> this first one. Gotta get my. I'm excited to get my clothes back, guys. I promise. <laughs> oh, all right. We're dialing it in. We're dialing it in. <laughs> oh, all right. Oh, I'm getting nervous over here, guys. No. <laughs> Usually it's just me getting spanked and golf on my life, you know? <laughs> See the golfer? Oh, she's the golfer. Last three one played nine. It was par, birdie, birdie, eagle. Oh my god! Par. Oh, okay, so she is the. You know how many Jordans I bought her? Yeah, she's she's <laughs> she's the golfer. Yeah, she's the one. But I'm I'm trying to get there. You know. Yeah, this is where I need to be every day. Honestly, yeah. the short game right here. There you go. Oh man! All right. Okay. Well, guys, there's, there's one. There's one. Oh, my goodness. This might be too easy, bro. <laughs> All right, you got it. Crunch time for me. Let's go. <laughs> I hope you get a hole in one. I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll freak out. No, short. All right. Oh, he's short again. You may not, if, if it doesn't get on the green, nothing counts. Yeah, there's going <laughs> to. Um, Let's be green in regulation here. <laughs> There's one. There you go. There's one. Get in. Oh. Oh, my goodness. The funniest story I think, ooh, <laughs> the funniest story I think I have in playing golf with my wife is she'd come and play with us, a bunch of us and, then, and a bunch of my teammates, and she was playing so good. Oh, oh! She was playing was so fun. good that they told her she can't come anymore. Oh my goodness! Because <laughs> it's making them look bad. Making them look so bad, so bad. <laughs> and they're like, "We like playing with Bronson." Did she play? Did she play college? She got offered to play. Yeah, they always asked her to play after because she chose soccer. That's but amazing. they they asked her to play every year after soccer, and it was like, 
I was like, you should have played. Like, you played. She was unreal. She was all six one, and I was like, her swing's like, she looks like Michelle Wee out there. Like, yeah. I'm like, man, because she grew up here playing every, every day. Yeah, yeah, her her family's her fam her dad come play every morning, so she used to come play with them. Oh my goodness. So I'm trying to catch up. About 20 years out. But that's crazy. That's <laughs> all right. Thanks for coming out, man. I guess you you owe me a thousand bucks foundation. Next time you'll get to me. Okay. Uh, we appreciate you coming out, and we'll have you out as soon as we can, man. Sweet. Appreciate it. Thanks. Yep. We'll see ya. Yep.